It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Four hundred. That's the word of the day. Today is Wednesday, September the sixth, two thousand twenty-three, and we are celebrating your favorite Yankee and my favorite player, Giancarlo Stanton. Four hundred home runs. He hit his four hundredth last night against the Tigers. The Yankee season has completely turned around. Here in New York, everyone has the view, total glass half full type of society and city. Love that. Instead of shortening MLB's season to 154 games, if we made this current season 279 games, then the Yankees would make the playoffs because they're playing well. They brought the boys up. Stanton's hitting bombs. They've got great pitching. They're playing really good teams and they're winning games. Well, none of that's actually happening, but what is happening is that Jason Dominguez was brought up as a kid and the Yankees are loath to do that. Although they started the season with Volpe. Brought up Dominguez, hit a couple of home runs, but the story is about Stanton. And I wanna tell you when we drafted Stanton, the Miami Marlins drafted Giancarlo Stanton. His name was first brought to me, I will never forget it, because the way it was brought to me is that there is this high school hitter who's a football player and he's threatening to play football and no one's gonna draft him in the first round, but he's the best hitter in the draft. But we can get him in the second round, but the risk is we'll lose our second round pick because he may choose football. And my view is who would ever choose football over baseball, especially when I got a look at Stanton and I realized that there was an opportunity for him to be a slugger and sluggers get paid because as you know, lots of people dig the long ball. So we draft him in the second round and his opening salvo to us, once you draft a player, you then start negotiating. There were no slots back then. So we did some pre-draft discussions, which you do with players, try to make, they're called pre-draft deals, totally against the rules, but every team does them. A pre-draft deal is when you know you wanna draft a player and you say to that player, don't allow yourself to get drafted by any of the teams above you because I promise I'm gonna sign you at blank. And then the agent calls all the teams who draft before you do and says, you better not draft my guy because then he's not gonna sign with you. We were told that by agents a lot during the course of, a, of the draft. And most times you pay attention because most times you're not willing to take the chance of losing the pick because when you don't sign your pick, you get an extra pick the next year, but you've lost a year of development. While you save a little money in the budget in the current year, you're spending more money in the future year. All in all, you'd rather get all the players you draft. So we had a pre-draft deal with Stanton 
except it was always under the threat of, hey, he still may go play football. So we get Stanton signed, goes to the minor leagues, and I didn't think much about it after that happened until the next season started and I got my list. I had a list, I carried a lot of things around, not on emails back then and not on a smartphone back then, but in a, uh, I carried around a briefcase. And in the briefcase, I had people ask me, did you know all of your minor league players? And the answer is no. Any team president who says he knows all the minor league players, frankly, any GM who says he knows all the minor league players is probably not telling you the truth. But what I did get was a list of players to watch every season. And then at the end of every day, I would get a game report from all the different levels, AAA, AA, high A, low A, even the Dominican Summer League. And I would know which names to look for so I could follow them. There'd be pitchers, there'd be hitters. And from the beginning, our guys said, both the scouts, don't let people tell you, scouts and player development thought this guy was great coming out of high school. Player development has nothing to do with players coming out of high school. They don't know squat about the players coming out of high school. They get the players who the scouts draft and then they work with them and get them to the big leagues. So in the beginning, it was the scouts, all of whom were so excited when we got Stan in the second round, who were so excited when we were able to get him signed, who were positive that he would, that even the development people, and there's a lot of tension between the two, positive that even the development people couldn't screw it up. So Stanton gets called up and the first time I laid eyes on him was in spring training and he was going through batting practice and this was in either 2009 or 2010, one of those spring trainings. I don't remember which one. He started in baseball in 2010 and our ballpark was under construction. We started construction in 09 to open in 12 and Stanton debuted a pro player in 2010. And I remember thinking to myself, this is someone who is going to be a Hall of Famer. We want him to be Cabrera. We had traded Cabrera years earlier. There's always next. People talk about next, the next Serena, the next Jordan, the next James. Well, the next Cabrera for us was always going to be Giancarlo Stanton, except he was Mike Stanton back then, not the pitcher for the Yankees, but his name was actually Mike Stanton. That's a whole nother funny story when Mike Stanton walked in one day and said, from now on, I'm Giancarlo. And we said, well, it doesn't exactly work that way. We have to call the union. We have to call the commissioner's office. We have to change you in the system. People need to know. But he wanted to be Giancarlo Stanton because he thought that he wanted to go back to his name and that, that would, that's how he wanted to be known. Great, G. So anyway, 2010 comes, he's in spring training, you're looking at him and he not only looks like Adonis, but when he hits the ball, I hadn't heard anything like that since Vladimir Guerrero, Miguel Cabrera, Hanley Ramirez, and Giancarlo Stanton. It's a sound. So you can close your eyes, and I learned this from baseball people, you can close your eyes and you can know who's at bat if you're really paying attention during BP. So Stan gets called up, he gets his first home run, you know, whatever, 10 days later. 
And we started doing some calculations, not just about how much money he would make, how much money in theory we'd have to offer him to be a lifetime Marlin, whether or not he'd be on the Mount Rushmore of all time Marlins, and how many career home runs he would have. And we all thought, and this is not, I'm not changing history here. You can speak to the people we were with, Larry Beinfest, Mike Hill, myself. We all assumed that he would hit more than 500 home runs as a big leaguer, which is a very rare feat. As a matter of fact, Coca, if I had, I could get up from the seat right now, walk two paces to my right, but it would be under a few stacks. But I have a piece of memorabilia that I purchased that is a piece of paper signed by all of the players who have hit 500 home runs or by most of them. And the thought always was, because I'd had that paper at that time, so I don't know that I have the recent people who've gotten there, is that Stanton was going to be on that list. So his career happens with the Marlins. We bring him into the new stadium and everything was going great. We signed him to the 13-year, $325 million deal. The only issue we ever had with Giancarlo was that his body was so tight, and, and I mean tight as in tight, not tight, which is a word that maybe young people use, like dope, like tight, no. Is tight used, Coco, like for something that's good? So Giancarlo Stanton would get injured. He'd have soft tissue injuries. But our assumption always was he'll grow out of that or we'll help him with his workout routine and that will get better. Then he got hit in the face with a pitch and we dismissed that. That's just terrible luck. We signed him to that deal after he got hit by a pitch before he even had one at bat, thinking he wouldn't be scared. He'd be able to come back and play. Unfortunately, after the team was sold, the new owners traded Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees. Giancarlo really had a no trade clause. There's only a few, two teams he wanted to go to, and that's the Yankees or the Dodgers. He gets traded to the Yankees, which is a miracle that Mike Hill was able to do that under the direction of Bruce Sherman. And his career with the Yankees, some of you may look and say, wow, he has underperformed. He's only hitting 205 this year. The Yankees haven't won a World Series. Well, Giancarlo Stanton's dream was to play in the postseason. We were never able to do that for him. And he has been an absolute, unbelievable postseason player for the Yankees. But as you know, one player is not enough to get a ring. You need luck and you need talent on both sides of the ball. Last night, Giancarlo Stanton became the fourth fastest player in history to get 400 home runs. Fourth fastest in history from a player, A, who his career had COVID, and that's okay because fourth fastest is in terms of games played, but don't forget COVID aged everyone. And I don't mean aged everyone in a stress way. It means that you only had 60 games during a year of your life instead of 160. And when, as you get older, it gets harder and harder. He's 33, he's obviously on the downside, he can play, he's got three, four more years of his deal. He can play until he's 40. But when he looks back and when you look back on his Yankee career, you will look at the milestone that he got as a Yankee behind only Mark McGuire, Babe Ruth, and A-Rod. That's it. Those are the only players in history, only one of whom is in the Hall of Fame. Those are the only players in history who have hit 400 home runs in fewer games than Giancarlo Stanton. Giancarlo Stanton will get to 500 home runs. Giancarlo Stanton will get to Cooperstown. 
And when you look back on the career of Giancarlo Stanton, you will realize that he was a generation-defining slugger. In the post-steroid, he was always clean. Always. In the post-steroid, offensive, juiced ball, dead ball era, you can always count on him because no ballpark can hold him. Doesn't matter what kind of balls. I've spoken to him about his balls. Let me let me rephrase that. Four, six, nine. I've spoken to him about lively balls, dead balls, etc. Stadiums. He didn't care. The reason why he wanted the fences lowered and moved in at Marlins Park was not for him. We did it because he asked, even though I didn't want to. We did it because he said, David, you're not understanding. For me, it doesn't matter. You can move the fences back. But for my teammates, it is so disheartening when they get all of it and it still doesn't go out of the ballpark and the ball dies in center field. That's the kind of teammate he was. I will never forget the leadership that he showed after Jose died. He took over that team, that moment. And you don't know what a person is made of until they are tested. Anybody can steer a ship through calm waters. The way he steered the ship through turbulent waters is noteworthy. And while you may think there are turbulent waters in New York right now, it pales in comparison to what happened in 2016. It pales into comparison to other parts of his life and things that he's experienced. Congratulations, Giancarlo. 400. Wait to see. You're going to get 500. I may buy him a shirt, Coca. I wonder if he'd wear it. He gets so much free stuff. Guess what? Right now, while you're listening to this show live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you could go to davidsampsonpodcast.com and guess what? Our first specialty t-shirt is now live and ready. So, there you see it. For those of you not watching, it's still a secret. Horse hockey. That is the theme. And that is our first shirt. And one of you, Brian, you know who you are. You were the first person to guess that our first shirt would be horse hockey. And you win, you're going to get a prize even though terms apply and no purchase necessary. The designer of this shirt and of our next three shirts that are coming out one each month through the end of the year, go to at Average Joe Art. That's at Average Joe Art. The discount that we got for the design is due to the promotion of his unbelievable work. Coca worked with Average Joe Art and came up with this t-shirt and we are now opening the contest for the second t-shirt. Whoever from this moment on, 8.14 a.m. Eastern on September 6, 2023, davidsampsonpodcast.com, no purchase required, but buy the horse hockey shirt, wink, wink. If you come up with what we're doing for our second specialty t-shirt, you will win a prize. Thank you, Average Joe Art, because you're not average. Appreciate the horse hockey. Nothing personal pick of the day. I'm going early because I just want to get it over with. Nathan Avaldi stunk. Framber Valdez did not. 
Jose Altuve hit three home runs in a row. CBS calling furiously. Are you available in case he hits his fourth home run? Fourth home run, he's going to get taken out of the game. The Astros in sole possession of first in the AL West. The Rangers out of the playoff race. This would be awesome. Sorry. You know who you are in Dallas. I love you. That said, and I know you're listening. That said, the irony, the beauty of the Rangers missing the playoffs would put a cherry on the top of the greatest baseball season that the commissioner has ever witnessed. If he can get the Padres, the Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers to all miss the playoffs, it will be cool and the gang time. I'm not saying that the commissioner doesn't enjoy the owner of the Texas Rangers. Not quite saying that. Maybe. What I am saying is that he didn't quite like the shortstop market. Well, we lost that 122 and 121. I'm going to watch the game tonight. And I spoke to Coca pre-show. And I said during our prep pre-show, and I asked him why he would not watch the Rangers-Astros game other than his usual answer of grumpy, I don't watch sports or I'm going to read a book or don't tell me who to watch. You know, the usual Coca being Coca, who we all know and love. CBC, baby, not just a Canadian broadcasting channel. It's Scherzer against Verlander. How are Met fans not watching the game? Am I the only one who pretended publicly that I didn't care about players after I traded them, but watched every single game they pitched or every at-bat or kept track of every single thing? Am I the only one who trades a stock and then looks and says, oh, Christ, it went up, or oh, celebrate good times, it went down? I always had to say I didn't pay attention. That was my public line. I was interviewed so many times with that question. Do you ever look and see Miguel Cabrera hitting the triple crown? No. Why would I look at that? Good for him. Of course I looked at that. Made me, it was very strange to be despondent and happy. I love Miguel and wanted him to win the triple crown and an MVP and a World Series and everything. He got two of those three. But of course you look back and say, man, if he had stunk, then people wouldn't accuse me of making the worst trade in history. So are you saying that as Mets fans, you don't care what Scherzer and Verlander do? I don't know. The big theme of the night is going to be the animosity between Verlander and Scherzer. Scherzer came out and said, oh, we were good. We were pals, which is, say it with me, horse hockey. Verlander at least acknowledged it when asked about it. He said, I think it was a bit blown out of proportion, but you know, there was some tension there. When a baseball player says that, multiply it by about a thousand, and that's the reality. Because for a player even to admit there's even a modicum of tension means that you could slice the tension with a butter knife. So who do we take in our pick of the day? They've never pitched against each other. The Rangers are on their tuchus. The Astros are thriving. I'm H-O, not triple T. I'm going Verlander over Scherzer. And it's totally personal. That's my pick of the day. All right, let's take a quick break. I got to review this 
series that I watched. And then we're going to talk about something that happened in Anaheim last night that everyone is talking about. And I'm going to explain it to you why no one should be talking about it. Except me. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for spreading the word. You have made our show what it is, and we continue to grow. Coming off either our best or our second best month ever. Thank you in August. And we're just going to keep going. Live, 8 a.m., Nothing Personal with David Sampson. YouTube Please go on davidsampsonpodcast.com. Get me questions, comments. Check out the merch, horse hockey. Hope you enjoy it. Average Joe Art. I've got a lot of people coming at me. Too many to keep track of, though I do write a lot of it down in my phone under notes. A lot of people come at me with things to watch. One of my most loyal fans in St. Louis, thank you, said, you got to watch telemarketers. Telemarketers is a limited series on a channel. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's a max. Thank you. It is the story of people who make a living like Jordan Belford, except it's not the stock market. Basically, it's a pump and dump scheme. Basically, you are calling widows and orphans. You are taking their money and you're giving them nothing in return. And this series is a documentary and it follows two guys who said, you know what? I've had just about enough. I like making the money, but I'm not making nearly as much as the guys who own this company of crap, who has Margot Robbie as a girlfriend, not in real life, in case she's watching or he's watching. But if you ever wondered about all the spam calls you get, and if you ever wondered why you get so many, because you say, I always hang up. Why do they even bother? the number of people who actually take the call and give the money would blow your mind. There is nothing faster to separate a person from his, her, their money than stupidity, ignorance, inexperience, loneliness. 
Telemarketers is a series, I think it's a three-parter, that will get your attention from the beginning because you'll assume that it's actors playing the characters. You'll wonder, is this possible? Are these real people? And the answer is, hell yeah. Telemarketers on Max, give it a try. Come September, we would do team photos. And team photos got a lot of attention yesterday when Shohei Otani did not appear at the Anaheim Angels team photo. What does it mean? Couple of nuggets about team photos. These days in September, you can only bring up two people. The maximum size of your roster can be 28 instead of 26. In the old days, not so old. I've only been out of the game six years. You could bring up infinity players up to 40. Let me do that better. Two, eight, six, nine. In the old days, the only limit for September call-ups was the limit of the size of the roster, which was 40. You could have 40 people on your big league team. We would get a list starting the second week of August to start preparing us for who our baseball people wanted us to bring up in September. A backup catcher, extra arms, a few extra bats off the bench, yada, 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 yada. Baseball people want as many people up as possible Business people want as few people up as possible because they're getting paid the major league salary minimum. They're getting the minimum, but they're still getting a month of it. So one sixth of, you know, 600 grand, you're giving them an extra 100 grand for nothing. And they're getting service time, which is even more valuable. But if you're in the race, you tend to listen to your baseball people. When you're not in the race, you tend to say, you know, take the backup catcher, take the extra bullpen arm, but canug. That's it. Team photos, all 30 teams take a team photo every year. You do it for history. Now, strange as it may seem in this era of internet, but there is still an official team photo from every year. Every year we would do the team photo and then I would get a copy of it with names underneath, top left to top right, etc. I could name every player of my players always, but guess what? Two years later, five years later, 10 years later, I look back at team photos from 2001 and I say, ooh, I don't recognize that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, and that guy. I didn't like team photos in September because it just meant more people in the team photo who I wouldn't remember years down the line. But the majority of team photos are taken in September and the call-ups do get to be in, be in the photos. Not as big a deal now. Every year, a player would miss the team photo. An excused absence, not any sort of nefarious reason. It would just be, hey, I have a doctor's appointment, I have rehab, I'm injured and I'm not gonna be at the ballpark, whatever the case may be. For whatever reason, it became a very big deal that Shohei Otani was not at the team photo. There is zero correlation between missing the team photo and re-signing with the team. Don't worry, Anaheim, zero correlation. It does not mean he's upset with the team, upset with the manager, upset with the owner. It means he was doing something, but people said he was there 10 minutes later, he wanted to play, whatever the case may be. Maybe he had a, an obligation. But when a player misses the team photo, we want the player in the team photo. So what we would do is we would do a stand-in. 
the standard would stand where the player should have stood. Then we Photoshop the player's face onto the body of the stand-in. So if you look back at team photos for the Expos and Marlins from 00 to 17, I couldn't even pick out. It would take an internet sleuth, and please, I'm not asking you to do it because I know there are listeners out there, and I'm not saying you don't have anything better to do because you do, no matter what. I appreciate your 45 minutes, plus on Wednesdays, starting now, an hour with Levitard or 45 minutes in the local hour live at 9 a.m. Don't go back and look at every team photo and try to figure out who we did it to because I'm not even sure I remember, though I could call the team photographer. Look, if you can, if you're listening, you can't, but if you're watching, look at number 17. That's not Shohei Otani. When the Angels team photo is released, meaning that is the official team photo, guess who's gonna be in that spot holding his hands exactly that way? Shohei Otani. Now, Coca and I have a bit of a disagreement. I believe they'll put Otani's head on that body. He believes they'll take the whole body out of there and they just did it for spacing and they'll put Otani's body and face photoshopped right in there. Maybe we've had a very, very helpful increase in technological prowess. Maybe they will do the whole body. We used to just do the face. Otani had some oblique soreness. He's got a torn UCL. Today is Wednesday, September 6th, and I will say it one final time. Why are you playing? Instead of skipping the team photo, how about skipping the rest of the season? I'm a little tired today. I was out of bed and watching content at 2.30 in the morning. Did not get a lot of sleep. I watched the US Open. I love watching the US Open. I admit it. I love the late night. I think about when I was younger, when I was in law school, it was a lot of the, I think law school was the, a lot of the Connors, the Connors Crickstein match and all of those amazing late night US Open matches. Always exciting to go till 1.30 in the morning. I watched Shelton get to the semis last night. Congratulations to him. Jokovic reached the semis and broke a record. Can we talk about Jokovic? He's in his 47th Grand Slam semifinal. There's only four a year. That's like for 12 straight years, going to the semifinals in every Grand Slam except one. That means on the hard court in Australia, on the hard court in Flushing, on the clay in Roland Garros, and on the grass in Wimbledon. Three surfaces, four time zones. Don't forget about the COVID issue that Jokovic had, where he missed a bunch of tournaments. And he still broke the record. 47 semifinals. It's insanity. There are people, you get to three semifinals, you're famous, you're rich. He broke Roger Federer's record. Congratulations to him. I may not agree with your politics, but I sure as heck fire appreciate your talent. He beat the American Taylor Fritz, just crushed him. And now he's got to play Shelton. And I asked Coca before the show started, what, who's favored? I figured Jokovic was favored, but I figured, you know, Shelton's 20. 
he serves 169 miles per hour, or maybe it's kilometers per hour, but it's definitely 169 somethings. The books have Jokovic as an 18 to one favorite to win the match. You have to bet $1,800 to win 100 for Jokovic to win and make it to the finals, setting up what'll be another final with him and Alcaraz, which will just be amazing. I think tennis may be back, and American tennis is certainly back. Coco Goff is in the semifinals. Oh, it's not 18 to one? What is it, Coca? If you bet 1,800 to win 100, how is that not 18 to one? All right, you can tell me later. Okay, Wait, do you want me to totally stop? No, oh, he's one to 18, is that your point? Shelton's 10 to one and Jokovic is one to 18, whatever. I think people understood, Matt. Language is for communication. Did anyone out there get into the chat room where I think Coca may be there? And let me know, when I said Jokovic is favored 18 to one, you have to bet 1800 to win 100, did you say, oh, Samson, it's not that. It's one to 18. I think you're being a little harsh. But for the people at DraftKings, let's get the nomenclature correct. Shelton is 10 to one to make his first finals appearance. And Jokovic is minus 1800 to make another finals. A lot of people were excited about the Tiafo Shelton match. A lot of people were excited about Coco Goff saying American tennis is back. Coco Goff is the youngest. Shelton is the youngest semifinalist American since Michael Chang. Coco Goff, the youngest semifinalist, the youngest African American semifinalist since Serena Williams in 2001 or something. This is a good time. First American teenager, period, since 2001. But all of it is being overshadowed on the business side with what has been going on with the WTA and the ATP. Tennis, you may not realize, has a men's circuit and a women's circuit. The men's circuit is the ATP. The women's circuit is the WTA. They do separate broadcast deals. They do separate everything. They are discussing right now merging. But the ATP is also discussing, and I bet the WTA is also. They are. Will they be the next league group to go for the money. Saudi Arabia and the sovereign funds, they are looking to continue getting into sports, investing in leagues, players, franchises. And there, is, there are negotiations going on now between the sovereign funds and the WTA and the ATP because they want an influx of money. And it has created quite a stir on the tour because some players, as you would imagine, it's how certain golf players felt about live. Certain of them took a position saying, no chance toilet pants. Certain took a position saying, hey, can I buy a car with that money? Can I open an account on DraftKings with that money? Hell yeah, I'm in. I, I get it. People make interesting decisions when it comes to money. People's moral compass changes, their tolerance changes. Generally, people are involved in self-preservation. They believe in their family and in, and in what they need to do to provide. And it's very difficult. The majority of us do not 
choose scruples over money. Let me say it a better way. We all have a different line where our scruples rest. Have I ever told you where my line is? Can we go off the subject for a quick second? My line is freedom. So what do I think is gonna happen? There's gonna be a meeting in London about the merger. They're gonna bring in the head of both women's and men's tennis. They're gonna fly to London, because why not? They're gonna look right as they approach the building, because if they look left, it'll be a very quick meeting. If you know, you know, and Coca now knows. And they're gonna get together and they're gonna say, what would be the benefit? Well, there's a few data points they need to know before they decide to merge. Number one, where do they stand on sovereign investments? Number two, they need to speak to broadcast channels, rights holders, because now there's an X and a Y. And I actually didn't mean that from a genetic standpoint. The reason why you merge is not to get X plus Y, it's to get X plus Y squared. Is there an opportunity to use leverage if you are tennis as the sport may be booming, not booming? Getting better in America, worse in America, better in Europe, worse. Soccer, football, we know where tennis stands. Is it being surpassed by pickleball? The question is the purses that are paid to the players, the rights fees that are paid to the leagues, to the associations, to the tournaments. The only question that they're gonna ask in London before going to a pub for fish and chips is confirming whether or not they will be able to be a more attractive property, both to investors and to rights holders. My way to see, and this is official, Stanton hitting 500 home runs, not official, because although we're still gonna be doing this show in three years, yes, we are. But my official way to see is that there will be a merger between the ATP and the WTA. And that merger will be announced before the end of 2024. I'm giving myself 15 months because these things take time. But a merger will happen because tennis understands that their strength is not in being separate. And in order to even maintain their financial position, they have to combine. There are people most people, most people in business, it's what we do. You know, I do my whole show, it's just business. No, no, that's not the end of the show. We gotta do this one, one more segment here, Matt. It's just business. You sit down with your people in marketing, in sales, you know what your expenses are, you know what your payroll is, you know what you're paying your game day staff, you know what your contribution is to the central fund, you know what your distributions are. You know what your set revenue is, your broadcast deal that's not dependent. You don't know exactly your gate revenue because you don't know what your attendance will be. You don't know going into a season, you estimate. You do a game-by-game -game estimate, but you really don't know because if your team's competitive for longer, you're gonna have more walk-ups. Group sales are generally not directly correlated to team performance. It's more correlated to day of the week and availability and relationship with the group leader. But walk-up sales, which now are just called game day sales, internet sales, season tickets for the next year, that is dependent on performance. 
When you are presented a marketing opportunity by your staff, whether it's a giveaway, whether it's a heritage night, you are presented with what the promotion is, what the giveaway is, and what you think the benefit will be, the financial benefit. Then it's up to the team president to decide, and first the VP of marketing, then the team president who approves it, is this something that we wanna do? Is the juice worth the squeeze? I don't know why I just winked. That was so awkward with the, with the noise that goes with it. Something happened in Vegas yesterday and I have spent a good chunk of time talking about Vegas, the city. I love Vegas. It is maybe my second favorite city in the world. Third favorite behind Paris and New York. I love going. I love my friends there. I love the food. I love the entertainment. I love everything about it. I love the weather. Don't even mind when it's 170 degrees. Vegas has been poaching sports teams. I'm good. They poached the Raiders. They're poaching and trying to poach the A's. I get it. Relocation happens. I would prefer Vegas to have been an expansion candidate. I wanted baseball to be in Vegas a long time ago. But Bud Selig would have none of it. Rob Manford, in separating himself from Bud Selig, has embraced Vegas, late to the party, but has embraced it. The question is, will Vegas be able to maintain its position? Is there enough disposable income in order to support football, hockey, and baseball? But there are people who believe that the A's are going to Vegas. One of those people, are the guys who run the Las Vegas Lights. The Las Vegas Lights are a football club in Las Vegas. They play for the USL, which is like AAA for MLS. There's some affiliated teams, there's some unaffiliated teams. It's sort of like minor league soccer, but it's professional and the best of the minor league soccer. And they're doing a promotion where they're calling it Vegas Loves Oakland Sports Teams Night because they're hosting the Oakland Roots. And if you wear a Raiders jersey or an Oakland A's jersey, you get half price tickets. So the way this happened is there's a knock on the door of the president of the Vegas Lights. Hey, we got an idea. Let's take advantage of the fact that we're getting the Oakland A's. Let's acknowledge the fact that two of our three sports teams and the only two that are relocated, not expanded, have all both come from the same place. Let's try to embrace the fact that obviously we're a bigger, better opportunity and option than Oakland. Forget the pump and dumps and the smash and grabs and all the issues going on in Frisco. The reality is Frisco is a market, Oakland is a market, are both way better than Vegas in size, in wealth, median household income. Vegas is gonna be the smallest market in all of baseball. But I digress. So the president gets the knock on the door and says, listen, I think that we can draw 2.1 more people by doing this half price deal. And let's really do a little oots to the people in Oakland. The reason I say 2.1 is when you are 
doing a BOGO, buy one, get one, or a half off, or a dollar dog, you're doing the math, or kids eat free, all of the promotions that you see, it's all from a spreadsheet. And the assumption when you do these promotions is that but for this promotion, you're not gonna draw the same number of people, but you're gonna draw twice as many people because your average ticket price is going to be in half. So you have to draw twice in order for it to pay for itself. Here's the amount of money we're gonna spend on the promotion, whether it's internet, marketing, advertising, whatever money we're gonna spend. Are we, when you change the price of your tickets, when you give them away, the way Michael Yormark did with the Florida Panthers giving free tickets away, at least when I did tickets, it was to nobody. We never gave free tickets. We just made up and bought our own tickets at a dollar to make up attendance. The reason why we didn't want to give away tickets is the same reason that happens on airplanes. It happens in hotels. You say to yourself, I don't get it. There's five empty seats in first class. The plane's leaving. Why can't I just sit there? And the answer is no, because we need to protect the value for the people who paid for that. People ask me all the time, at David P. Sampson Twitter, davidsampsonpodcast.com. Why are ushers so mean? Why can't I just go sit next to the dugout? There's no one there. They don't even let me down this section. Because why would anyone buy tickets at the face value of the tickets to sit in that section when they could buy tickets in the 400 level and walk down and sit in the 100 level? You'll never sell 100 level tickets again. Why would anyone buy a business class seat? Why would anyone buy a suite if they know they're gonna be upgraded because they look online and there's availability? No problem. You can have the suite in the hotel. You can't operate that way because it will cost you. So what the Oakland situation is with Vegas, with the Las Vegas Lights said, we're gonna draw more than twice the number of people who would have normally come to see us play Oakland and we don't care what Oakland thinks. We don't care if we're being offensive or petty. We are taking advantage of an opportunity. And to that I say, amen, as the president of the Marlins. As the host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, I say, that's a really low blow. That doesn't seem necessary. And only when it is proven to me that this is gonna move the needle would I have accepted it. And upon accepting this needle moving promotion, I very simply would have said to my friends in Oakland, it's just business. This is nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 